0: Today we're wrapping up this series that we've been in, and the series is called Let It Go. And the theme for that title, Let It Go, is there are things in this world, the world's way of doing things or the world's system, that when we examine them through the lens of Scripture, we begin to see that God's way or His kingdom, the heavenly way, is in complete contrast to many things in the way they work in this world. They're almost total opposites. And so we as believers are faced with decisions. Do we live according to the world's way that often makes sense to the natural mind or that we can see by sight, we can rationalize, or do we choose to live according to God's ways of his kingdom that are supernatural that have to be lived by faith and not by sight? And when we do, there are blessings, there are outcomes that we're promised, but we are given those results whenever we live in faith according to the ways God's calling us to. So the idea of let it go is, hey, if this type of situation in the world has a hold on you or tempts you, have faith, be encouraged when you let it go and you don't need this kind of specific thing from the world's way of operating, then you actually free yourself up to lay hold of a greater way that God offers according to his kingdom. And so number one, part, part one was the need to have. We've got to let go of the need to have. Greed, covetousness, things that we think we need, material things we think we have to have, or we just can't make it. Um, you know, There can be an unhealthy desire or drive to pursue and have material things. And so we'll seize them by our own hand so that we get them, but there are things that God wants to give us that he says, you can't seize them by your hand, I have to give them to you. And that's the greater reward. So there's often these trade-offs that we're faced with, do I have to have these things in the world or do I not need things in the world because what I have in Christ is sufficient in everything I need? And then the amazing irony is then we actually have the rich blessings in Christ that he promises us, but only when we let go of the need to have what this world could offer us. Then part two, we talked about letting go of the need to be seen, right? Not being driven by being recognized by people, seen in the eyes of people, rewards from people, but actually the Bible shows us there's this powerful way of living that we can live and do things in secret Between just us and the Father. We're not trying to be seen in what we do. We're just doing it for God, but then He actually says, I'll reward you openly. So you see the paradox in the way these things operate, right? This week, part three, uh, as we close it out, letting go, is the need to fit in. The need to fit in. And I've seen this a lot, actually. It's not just in the younger generation. You see this with adults too, frankly. But of course, in, in a, a younger generation, there's a lot of temptation, a lot of pull uh, to try to fit in with the cool crowd, the culture, right? The elite status around you. you got to look a certain way, got to act a certain way. There, how many would agree there could be a really unhealthy pressure in all of our lives, but especially in younger people's lives, right? These days. And, uh, and so we want to kind of combat that a little bit, this unhealthy need to fit in. So let's start with Matthew chapter 9. Open your Bibles, if you have them, to Matthew chapter 9, and we'll read verses 9 through 13. It says, Jesus saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, "Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners?" When Jesus heard that, he said to them, "Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do. But go and learn what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not call the righteous to uh, rep- I did not com- for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners." to repentance. How many know there's kind of an underlying message there? We are all sinners, (laughs) right? And so we see that Jesus makes this appearance at the house of a sinner, a tax collector, and a lot of sinners show up. And I love the way Jesus operates because he comes along and you see that the world of that the, the culture of that day had a way of doing things, um, to be in the in crowd or be considered elite or be in the social status of the day. They, they had a way of doing things, but Jesus comes along and he just, he just flips those things upside down again and again. Have you noticed that? I love that about Jesus. He, just, he says, okay, you have a way of doing things, which in this case is um, only the elite, the social status of the day, the quo. They're the ones that you should be hanging out with if you want to be somebody, right? That's how you fit in. Jesus is hanging out with sinners and tax collectors, people who obviously are all kinds of problems and baggages and things like that, the story suggests. And uh, they're saying, man, that's not how you fit in. That's not how you be influential in this culture. And, And Jesus is basically saying, yeah, you've got your way and I've got my way and my way works totally opposite of yours. And I, I love it because Jesus doesn't follow trends. He sets them. Does that make sense? Jesus doesn't follow trends. He doesn't just go along with culture and just kind of fit into the way things are flowing and going. I mean, he swims upstream against the grain. He flips things on their end and says, I've got a different way of doing things. It's my Father's way. It's the kingdom's way. And I'm going to do that no matter what you think about it. I'm not worried about fitting in with you. I'm worried about fitting in with the Father. Does that make sense? And so we're challenged with this many times. And think about it. Where, how does this affect you? Where, where does this play out in your life? Is it in the workplace? Is it in your social clubs? Is it in your neighborhood? Is it in your schools? Where is it at? There's always a pull and a temptation. I know there is for all of us to try to fit in with these things around us. But here's the problem is there can be an unhealthy level where to fit in actually causes us to to sort of bend and compromise, to to look more like a world that we actually should be standing out in front of. Does that make sense? To blend in, to fit in, oftentimes is just becoming white noise, and Jesus stood out lovingly, full of grace, but he stood out because he was living a life true to the Father's commands that was different than the way culture was living it today in many, many ways, right? I remember one time when I was younger, I was probably 12, something like that, and it was... uh, a day where a bunch of us from school, it was a Six Flags Day. Everybody's familiar with Six Flags, right? A couple people? Six Flags? You heard of it? Okay. Oh. Uh, back up. <laughs> New illustration. Uh, so we went to Six Flags, and I, I, you know, I wanted to be in the cool crowd. That was the temptation. Wanted to kind of be like in the circle of friends, certain groups of friends, and all that stuff. And so this was Six Flags Day. Everybody was there, and So this was the opportunity, right? Um, And they had this ride at Six Flags, and I don't know if they still have it or not. And you might remember it if uh, if they don't anymore. But it was called Tom's Twister. Okay. All right. All right. You're, You're tracking now. Don't know Six Flags. You know Tom's Twister? I'm confusing me. So. On Tom's Twister, you know, the, it, you'd sit on the, you'd put your back up against the pad, and it would just spin around and around and around, right? And it'd suck you, to like, to the back of this thing. Now, when we went there, I had never ridden Tom's Twister before, but I had ridden a ride very similar at a carnival, and it was called Gravitron. And it didn't go well <laughs> for me. I'm, my stomach, I get nauseous kind of easy with just different movements. Like, I can't sit in the back if Katie's driving. It doesn't work. Um, so, so we go there, and everybody's like, ah, Tom Swister, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm good with roller coasters, but this one is like, I was like, oh, no, this is bad, bad, bad. And um, I knew I shouldn't do it, but I was so worried, they were going to think I was afraid. They were going to think I was scared. Everybody else was going to do it, and I wouldn't. I was going to be embarrassed, right? So, of course, the need to fit in drove me to decide, I'm just going to go ahead and ride the ride. And then you get on, and Tom's Twister, in addition to the way the ride works, they, they have like these rollers and tracks where the seats actually slide up and down. You Remember that? Like, what is that? It's bad enough that you're doing this. Now you're going up and down on the thing. So I get on, I'm riding, you know, and I'm just like, oh, hold on, just hold on, you know, however long, two minutes, three minutes. And, and we're going, and it becomes obvious to me, I am not going to make it. And <laughs> it just... It just, it's, yeah, yeah. It's like a fire hose, man. I mean, it just. But you know, because it's spinning, it was like 90 degree turn. Never seen Puke do that again since then. And, uh, and it sort of goes like this, and it just starts flap, 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 flap. And just hitting people. I'm like, oh my gosh. It's bad. Oh, I was going to be embarrassed before. I'm really going to be embarrassed now, you know? But the coolest thing happened. We all get off the ride. It was going so fast. Everything was happening. Nobody knew where it came from. <laughs> Nobody. He's like, what, oh, anybody see where it is? Nah. <laughs> she, uh, tell you, some people. <laughs> so the need to fit in, it'll make you sick. <laughs> literally. But it can really drive us to do some unhealthy things. Um, It can cause us to compromise, which is really bad when we know we shouldn't. Cause us not to do things or not to say things when we know we should. We can look a lot of different ways, right? Um, But that need to fit in, instead of being true to who we are and whose we are, uh, it's a temptation that pulls it at all of us. So I give you a few points today to just think about as we go through this, you know, not needing to fit in in the world, but being very convicted and very firmly planted and rooted in the way we live according to who God calls us to be, no matter what is going on in culture around us, amen? So point number one is, and and let me explain this before you get your feelings hurt when I say this, but point number one is you don't belong. That's one of those things where if you just took that little track out of the sermon and played it, it would sound really, really bad, right? pastor said, we don't belong. You don't belong. But let me explain that. Philippians 3.20 says this, Our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's talking about born-again believers, Christians. We have a, a heavenly citizenship, but that wasn't always the case. He says it this way in Ephesians 2.19 Therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So this is a really cool like example here of how we exchange citizenship when we come to know Christ. It says, before you knew Jesus, you were actually a stranger, a foreigner to the family of God. You were separated from God because of the condition of sin, Right? So the world is kind of our home, and our relationship with the Father, with God, and with heaven is is foreign and strange to us. But he says, once you know Christ, once you give your heart to Christ and you are born again, that all flip-flops. Now you're no longer a foreigner, a stranger, you're adopted into the family of God. You're a citizen of a different kingdom now. You were a citizen over here, but now you're a citizen of a heavenly kingdom. And actually now, you should be aware that you're a foreigner and a stranger, a pilgrim or a sojourner, a traveler passing through in these ways of the world. Isn't that cool? So it it, it should change. So this idea that you don't belong and not needing to fit in is because when we come to know Christ and he comes to live on the inside of us, Listen, things should start to look different. I, I, I don't, I, oh, whoa, I'm seeing things I didn't see before. Man, I'm not okay with some things that I was okay with before. I'm convicted about some things that didn't even bother me before. This is different. You should feel a little bit disoriented. You just changed citizenship. You're a part of a heavenly kingdom now that originates with God that is not of this world. I'd be more concerned if somebody were a believer and they had no problem with the world's way of doing things. That would be more concerning to me. And yes, we've got to wrestle with it. We've got to grapple with these things, of course. But we should start to see things that are happening in culture and in the world that just don't set right with us anymore. And then we got to decide what we're going to do with that. That's where this whole thing not needing to fit in is. Do we stay true? And, and, and not follow trends, stay true to how we're called to live, or do we succumb to the pressure and just start to kind of blend in so we fit in with the culture around us? It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So when people come to the Lord, they start walking with God, Earlier in their their journey, uh, there's a lot of disruption that occurs. You notice that? I mean, it's it's joy and just nothing but excitement and and zeal for knowing that you're a part of God's family now. But there's a lot of disruption that starts to occur when people are genuinely born again and the Spirit of God is in them, because the Spirit of God can't associate with the things of the world, and the and the believer not experience conviction. So there's this disruption and. That's a good thing that we should go through, but here's the, here's the other part of that, and, and Jesus models this really, really well for us. He says, yeah, the world's way isn't my way, and you're not to live the way that culture lives and all this, but you're, we're to be in the world, yet not of the world, right? So here's the, this is where the tension is. Okay, so I'm, a, I'm born again, I'm a child of God, I'm in the family of God, I'm going to heaven, but I'm still here. You ever thought that? I'm still here in all this stuff. So what do I do with that, right? Well, Jesus, I think he shows us. Because he comes along, he sits down right in the middle of all of the well-known sinners of the day. He sits right down with them. But here's the key, I mean, here is the key He doesn't become one of them. (laughs) You get that? He's in the world, but he's not of the world. Say it like this. He's doing the swaying. He's not being swayed. This is our call. And I think think it goes one of two ways. I think we're either doing the influencing in the environment around us by staying true and not compromising, or the environment around us is influencing us. The definition of that is conformity. Conformity let I remind you Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says do not be conformed to the world I have this, this bottle of water here and if I pour this in any cup glass any any type of container whatever the shape of that container is that water is going to take on that shape agreed that's conformity well this can happen in our lives that's what the apostle Paul in Romans 12 is, is trying to come against he says don't do that Don't just blend in with every environment around you with what culture is doing, but actually be transformed, go a different way, take a different path. And it it is amazing to me how you can see people when this is a, a hard pressure in their life to fit in because they'll get around one environment or group, and just like that water in the glass, all of a sudden they begin to look, act, dress, talk like this group. They just, all of a sudden they blend in. White noise. Then they go somewhere else, and all of a sudden they, sh- they shift and change, and they just, you know, begin to blend in here. And, and all of a sudden, everything is, they're conforming to these different environments, and, uh, and there's nothing standing out. And it's, it's in the standing out. It was when Jesus came along and did things a totally different way. That's what instigated the change, right? That's what made the impact in the lives of people around him. He wasn't being swayed. He knew that he carried an authority and a power in him, that if he stayed true to the way the Father was calling him to walk, that that would actually be the influence, the game changer in the environments around him everywhere he went. But the Bible tells us in 1 John, it says that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So that's a sobering thought consider that everywhere you and I go, on every daily basis in our lives, we encounter people all over the place who are being swayed or influenced more by the prince of darkness than the prince of peace. It's Reality. But we don't have to be afraid of that. If we succumb to that, if we blend in, then we don't make a difference. But if we can actually do the swaying, be the influencers, be the game changers right in those situations by staying true to who we are, that will actually begin to be what instigates change in our communities and in our societies around us. God's people are called to be that, agents of change, right? Just like we see Jesus doing in this situation. Those people that he came that he was not supposed to sit down with, that he was not supposed to hang around did all of them listen and do what he said? No, of course not. But there were a lot that did. And the ones that did loved him for what he stood for. We, we can't swim upstream or swim downstream. We gotta, we gotta go against the grain when it comes to culture's way of doing things if, if we're going to be those agents of change that I believe we are all called to be. We, we have a good friend who lives in Israel and he came over a few years ago and spent some time with us we took him down um, just to kind of see the city and the arch and all the places downtown. And he's got a really thick accent. He speaks English, but he's got a really thick accent. And everywhere we went, within 30 seconds, people knew right away, this guy's not from around here. Right? Oh, he, he's not from around here. Where are you from something different about him that stood out right away? which was amazing because it it opened up the door for a a lot of really, really cool conversations. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't try to tone it down. Come on, he didn't try to tone it down. He didn't try to suppress it a little bit, try to mask it a little bit, not look different, try, try to fit in with what was around him so he didn't stand out as being different. He never did any of that. He was true to who he was. And that created a lot of conversations. It created a lot of interesting opportunities. And so this is what I'm trying to say. I think this is really where my burden is at in this message. When it comes to being a Christian, when it comes to being a follower of Christ, I know what the world is like out there. We all, we, we get it, the pressures, right? But when it comes to being a follower of Christ, please, don't tone it down. Don't tone it down. Don't try to suppress it. Don't just try to... uh, If keeping the peace means that you have to back off of where you stand with Christ, let me tell you something. I'd rather not fit in. I'd rather not... If following Jesus means I won't fit in with the world and with culture, baby, I don't want to fit in. I'll be happy going my own way as long as I know that's the way that Christ is leading me. Amen? So, So that was number two is don't be swayed. And then number three is be a game changer. Be a game changer. Be an influencer. And I've thought, I remember in times where I would be in these places and in, in these environments where, you know, the stuff around me, it felt like, wow, this is, this is, uh, this is not the way I am called to live. People that would... Uh, you know, the language or just all kinds of stuff that would be in different environments around me. And I remember this early in my walk, thinking on multiple occasions, I, I, I wish God would just pull me out of this place. Have you ever felt that way? Like, just get me out of here. Now, God does obviously move us on. He transitions us out of places. That's, that's clear. But my experience has been, more often than not, we're the ones that force the transition before he's ready. In fact, Paul said this uh, in, I think it was in, uh, this was in 1 Corinthians 7. He says, Don't just uproot yourself after you become a Christian. Don't just leave everything and everyone you know. Stay in the area that you were called in and make a difference right there, right? And I think many times we feel like it would just be easier if we just got pulled out of the places that we're in and we just got set alongside of a bunch of other people who think and believe all the same things we do, and it'd be easy now to be a Christian. Now, we have to have biblical community. That has to be our core. That's what strengthens and sharpens us. So this this isn't negating that, but this does mean we're still supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. We're actually still supposed to be salt and light in those places. And here's the amazing thing even in those times where I wanted to go, I wanted to leave, I wanted to move on, but there was just this sense that God wasn't ready to do that yet, by keeping me there a little longer, and maybe this is gonna speak to somebody today, but by keeping me there a little longer, it actually produced something of spiritual maturity, spiritual backbone in me that I'm so thankful I was able to attain through that time. And I probably wouldn't have picked it for myself. But here's why it did that. Because it required me to stay true to who I was and who God was calling me to be. And there was a culture around me that was trying to tempt me to go a different way. And when we go through that fire, that crucible like that, and we stay true to conviction, it strengthens us. And in an environment around us, some will change and some won't. But so what? The question is, will you stay true to conviction and to the principles that God's calling you to live by? And when we do, folks, that actually produces the testimony. I think, I'm just crazy enough to believe this. In the midst of all the craziness that we see in the world today, I really do believe that people are hungry, for people who are authentic. I really do. I think the world needs to see, even if it ruffles some feathers, even if it creates a little bit of friction, I think the world needs to see people who stand up for what they believe, who will stay true to it and not compromise. And in the end, that will produce a strength in us and it will produce an opportunity for a testimony in the world around us. Is this speaking to anybody today? I mean, I I think there is an unhealthy temptation that we all face where we need to fit in. But I've seen the outcome of being in an environment where you don't succumb to that pressure and you just stay the course. You still love those people. You still offer them grace. I mean, you, you you can't like pound on them and shake your finger at them. That doesn't work either. But you just love on them. There's grace there but you're staying true to who you are. Authenticity, integrity, consistency. There's an endurance to our walk that God calls us to that adds a strength to us that prepares us for many of the journeys that are still up ahead. And I think a lot of times when we're in these places, it's actually a test that God is seeing if we're gonna pass. Will you stay true? Will you not compromise? I think it's a test that he's seen if we will pass so that he knows if we can be trusted to take us up to actual greater levels of influence for him. Because I promise you, the pressure only gets higher, right? Further that God takes us. So let's pass the test. Amen? And I'll close with this. God's version of you is the best version of you. It's the best version of me. It's the best version of you, his version meaning living the way he's called us to. Is it always easy? Of course not. Of course not. We got this flesh. We got this devil. We got all these things going on. Is it always easy? Of course not. But when we live true to the way God's calling us to, stay firm in our foundation and in our conviction, that version of us is the most effective version for the work that God is calling us to do. A good version. Public testimony requires a strong private conviction. And I believe that God is calling his people up. World needs it. They need to see salt and light in all of our communities around us. But if the people of God are bending and swaying and adapting and just blending in with all of the cultural things around, that's not going to stand out. So let's stay true to the walk that God has called us to. Let go of the need to fit in so that we can lay hold of the life that God is actually calling us to and the influence that will come along with that. i close with that. Would you guys just bow your heads, kind of close your eyes, and I want to just ask you at this time like we do in a lot of our services, you know, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? Is he convicting you? Is he challenging you? Is he opening your eyes to something, showing you something that you didn't see before? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And I just want to encourage you to to respond to that. Take a step in the direction that God is leading you. Let go of the need fit in where's that at does it look like where's the pressure in your life to compromise what's god's way what's the world's way say yes to him. and if you're here today and maybe you've never given your heart to christ you've never surrendered your life your will that god my life is not my own Jesus, my life is yours. I believe you're my Lord and Savior. I want to give my life to you. You've never had that moment with God. Today could be your day. To know you're going to be in heaven with Jesus for all of eternity. It's something that God wants us to be settled in assurance of our salvation knowing whose we are and where we're headed it's a hope that anchors our lives if you don't know the answer to that then I invite you today to receive the love of Christ to f- receive the free gift of grace that you cannot earn and do enough good deeds to get it the blood of Jesus paid the price if you believe that Jesus is Was the Son of God, suffered and died on the cross to take away your sin and rose from the grave to defeat death so that you could also raise from the grave and live eternally with Him after this life? If you believe that with all your heart and you confess that to Him today, you'll be saved. You'll be saved. Maybe you're in a situation where you've kind of walked away and went a different direction. You, you, gave your life to the Lord at some point in your past, but you went a different direction, and you need to get back to walking with Him. There's no power. There's no authenticity in your life. Kind of succumb to the ways of the world. Look, if that's you, God's inviting you back to a place of walking close with Him as well. Either of those two describe you situations. Would you just raise your hand. You say, I want to pray today to come back to Christ, or I want to give my life to Christ. Is there anybody in this place that says, that's me, pastor. I need to make that decision today. I want to live for